Well, it's another Friday, so it's another episode of the Web Dev with Matt podcast, my friend. And in this episode, I am very, 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 very super excited to share with you that Docker Essentials, the book, is finally, finally, that's right, ready! Oh, and Docker Build. Cue the intro music. If you want to learn the essentials of developing and deploying applications with Docker, especially if you've been struggling to figure out what you need to know while Googling, searching Stack Overflow and various other forums, then you'll love Docker Essentials. It's a free book and course that teaches you the essentials of building images and deployment configurations, tagging images and pushing them to remote Docker registries, how to debug applications running inside Docker containers, how to debug containers when they don't work as expected, and how to deploy your application to a production environment or any other using Docker Compose. Now, it doesn't cover every possible Docker command, just the ones that you need to know about so that you can deploy your first application with confidence. You also get a host of supporting information, tips, tricks and pointers to help you out when you get stuck. Check it out today at dockeressentials.com. Well, good evening, good morning, g'day, wherever it is that you are. We're back. The podcast is back. I'm on the wireless. I'm in your ears. I was going to say I'm in your radio, but I'm really not unless you've got a fancy radio. I could be on your TV. I could be in your car. Who's to say where I am? Anyway, as I said on Twitter last week, I think, I was just taking time out from the podcast, mainly because I got a really rough head cold that blocked up my sinuses. You perhaps can still hear me not speaking quite so clearly this week, um, because my, my sinuses and my nose are still a bit blocked up. I've been blowing my nose and using nasal spray like it's been going out of fashion. Um, taking a few paracetamol as well, just to deal with the, the soreness of my sinal, the soreness of my sinus passages. But anyway, I thought I'm feeling well enough again, so let's get back into it and get back on, I'm going to say get back on the radio, whatever. Um, but the main reason behind that is that I'm really excited to share with you that after much, much, much time, I have finally released Docker Essentials. Well, I've released the book of the free book and course duo that is Docker Essentials. Now, if you are not familiar with what Docker Essentials is or the project, it's, as I've broadly alluded to just then, a book and course, a free book and course, actually, that I've been working on, I think, for easily the last six months. Um, on and off, allowing for you know various things that go on and things that come up that show you the essentials of how to develop and deploy applications with Docker. So this, 
Specifically, you learn how to develop, test, and debug your applications, debug containers when they don't work properly, and, and deploy your code to production, or really, any other remote environment. It's something that, what would you say, it's kind of a labor of love because it's free. But I, as, as I've been saying in the talks that I've been giving based on the book, based on the material in the book, I've, I've been spending a lot of time using Docker and the related tools since about 2015. And while I'm not a fanboy, I, I don't drink Kool-Aid, I, I don't stand in lines overnight outside Apple stores waiting to be all super excited to get the new iPhone or iPad. I'm not that kind of person. I have benefited greatly from from using Docker. I found for myself, it's really breathed a lot of life into how I develop applications. It has, for the most part, simplified how I work, how I go from deployment to another environment. Now, not without hiccups, I, I do have to say, but it's it's made life for me just a lot easier or, or a lot less, a lot harder to, to kind of muck up building the environment that the app will be deployed to such that it works in one, but then you get a weird bug in another. So I thought, since I've had such a lot of personal satisfaction and success from it, since I've learned a lot about it and I continue to do so on a more or less daily basis, why not share it? Now, I know that other people have books and courses. Why another one? Well, I talked to enough people and they were supportive. So that's the first reason. Two, as I said, I really enjoy it. I like training, teaching and sharing. So I thought, why not get into it? for that reason as well. I looked at the other ones and felt they didn't have my style. They didn't have quite the angle of the perspective that um, I've been following with this project. And so I thought, well, why not get into it? Um, it, it follows, now, in addition to that, the project follows my ethos that I took with my other, well, my, my most recent book before this one, which is Mezio Essentials which you can find at mezioessentials.com. That's M-E-Z-Z-I-O essentials.com. And that is that they're not... These these books and courses aren't comprehensive deep dives. They're not... We will show you every single possible command, command option, argument, tell you everything about it. The aim of... Well, I guess what is is forming into my essentials library series if you will. Hint, actually, that's what I am <laughs> working on progressively. It's to give you, as the name implies, the essentials to do something. So, for example, with Mezio Essentials, it's the essentials, both in concept and theory and practical knowledge, to get up and write an application of, you know, that's more than Hello World, that's at least got a certain meat to the proverbial bones. And so too with Docker Essentials, it's enough to get you up and going 
in, in what I mean by that specifically is build a deploying, build a development environment using Docker around the focus of Docker Compose and then take you right through to be able to deploy that application to production or staging, testing, wherever with enough theory and concepts so that it makes sense what you're reading and, and seeing and, and learning, but without going overboard, without kind of giving you so much information that you then become overwhelmed. Of course, um, and then the focus from that point is that you can then say, well, I know enough theory, I know I have enough knowledge, I have enough practical experience that you could then go away and build on that in, in the particular aspects that you then need to know. Say, for example, in the book, it covers building images which are self-contained that can then be deployed to any environment. And so for that, it uses the Docker build command. It doesn't plumb the depths of the build command, but just enough to get the job done. However, it then links off to relevant documentation. So if you said, well, hang on, my use case is a little different to that, or I wonder if it does this, could I tune it in that way? Well, then you can follow that as and when the need arises. So that's the way I've focused the book and ultimately the course, which is based on the material in the book. Now, if you'd like to know a lot more that I can give you in this episode of the podcast, go to dockeressentials.com. That's dockeressentials.com. There, if you pop in your email address in the form at the top next to the big image of the book's cover, which hats off to Andy Denley at studiodenley.co.uk for doing such a wonderful, wonderful job. Andy, if you are listening Thank you, my man. You have done a fantastic job. I could not be more appreciative of the job that he has done for me. It looks fantastic. And what's more, he is a legend, a wonderful person to work with. Massive plug for Andy. Anyway, getting back to the book. Uh, there you can learn, well, why should you read this book? As in, you know, is it the right one for me? What will you get out of it? Then you can look at what specifically you learn. You can see down the bottom who's creating it. So a bit more about me and a bit more of where to find me. Um, but focusing specifically on the book, it has broadly six chapters. And these are, you learn the essential terminology, correction, seven, kind of broadly seven, but there are sort of supplementary ones along. But the key ones are learning some essential terminology, such as Docker such as image and container, learn how to install Docker, whether you're on Linux, Mac OS, Microsoft Windows, then you can learn how to build a local development environment. So looking at a simplistic file and directory structure that I follow commonly and the relevant files within that and what goes into them and a way to structure a Docker Compose configuration, then you can learn how to debug a Docker container. So did the Compose configuration start properly? Perhaps one or more containers didn't start, so you can see quickly which ones didn't. If one or more didn't, you can, you'll can you then learn how to look at the logs to then see why they didn't. From there, admittedly, you need a bit of sysadmin skill to 
uh, debug the problem, but that would be relevant to any application you deployed. Um, after that, you can look at how to run tests and debug apps that are running inside Docker containers. And finally, you learn how to build a production environment from the development environment and how to deploy that to any remote host that runs Docker. Now, one little um, point I think worth noting is that the example application in the book uses PHP. The reason for that is that I mainly develop apps in PHP and mainly use that language, though I also develop a little bit in Go, Kotlin, and a number of other languages, but primarily PHP. Now, since the book is called Docker Essentials, there is no actual code development in PHP, so it doesn't really matter what the, the example application is written in. Though, the testing chapter does focus around PHP because the app's written in PHP. However, uh, I have a thought in my head at this point that over the next couple of months, um, it probably would make sense to expand out that chapter and the relevant other parts of the book to cover perhaps uh, one or two more other languages, maybe Java, maybe Golang. So we'll see how that goes. But I just wanted to let you know, because it's not explicit from the title of the book that uses PHP as its kind of background reference, that I just wanted to let you know before you sort of perhaps dove in too deeply and then were a little bit surprised at that. Otherwise, yes, I'm really excited for the book to be available. If you'd signed up previously, however, at dockeressentials.com while the book was in development, then you'd already know and you'd already have the book in your uh, hot little hands. As it were, admittedly, you can't kind of hold it in your hands because it's not a physical book. At least not yet. I might actually get one copy just for posterity's sake and to hold and stuff. Yeah, why not? I wonder if I can get a hardcover. <laughs> um, I actually may also release this on Amazon. I, I don't know, but whatever. I was just thinking out loud there. Um, yeah, so you'd already know about it. So if that's you, I just want to say a big thank you. I, hand on a heart. Thank you for encouraging me to write the book and to continue through to this point by signing up to the list so I could see that so many people were interested. Thank you for your patience while I wrote it and the, few, the, the little pauses here and there that I took for various reasons that I needed to. Thanks for being there. Uh, thanks for encouraging me. Thank you for letting me know directly that it's of help. To those people who are on the list, and also sat in my first talk that I gave, which was based on the material of the book, which I'll link to in the show notes for this episode. Thank you as well. It's meant so much to me to know that the material resonates with people. It was actually also really encouraging to me to know that that, that the way I come across is, is still, it still has a certain vibe. Anyway, that's a thought for another day too. Anyway, I don't want to sound disingenuous, so I'll stop um, with that point there and go on to the one other thing that I wanted to get into for this episode. And that is that uh, mainly just today, because there are so many things that I've kind of on and off learned 
um, over the like the interim period since I put out the last episode. But the thing that like, most grabbed me was the Docker build command. Now, I thought I would keep this episode all things Docker. Why not? It makes it easy to kind of keep it in my head and easy to write show notes for and a show title and all those good things. But Docker build. Now, the reason I, I come onto this and it kind of so stands out for me is that as I mentioned, I think in the last one or two episodes of the podcast, I've been working away on this article showing how to deploy um, to uh, infrastructure built around one or more Raspberry Pi boxes, Raspberry Pis, I'll just say Raspberry Pis. And... Though the article won't be out by the time this episode goes live, the, the, the concept that I was working with was that you would have a local development machine, as you do. There would be one Raspberry Pi where the images that were built would be deployed to, and another one where the application, sorry, another Raspberry Pi where the application would be deployed to. Now, my reasoning for that was I would set up Docker Registry, which is an open source implementation of a Docker image registry uh, made by uh, folks at Docker, where, which kind of mimics uh, Docker Hub, Digital Ocean Container Registry, and so forth, or mimics or provides the same functionality. Uh, pretty sure, I'm pretty sure that I can stand behind that statement without having the um, the documentation sitting right in front of me here. And the reason for that is that I, I wanted to set up, um, I, I didn't want to set up an insecure registry, that being one that only worked on port 80 or whatnot, but one that worked over SSL TLS, so port 443. And I think for some reason, or oh, I got it in my head, I wanted to sort of keep uh, an image registry separate physically from, uh, I'd say, a deployment server so that you'd have one box or perhaps maybe later a cluster where you could store all the images, you know, all you and any other developer within your organization. But then you have another block, another blocks, another box where you deploy to. I, I think there was something I, I had port clashes as well in the early uh, part of the research phase. So that all kind of worked bearing in mind that each um, Docker daemon, whether local or remote, does have an image cache, but we'll skip that for now. Um, and the thing I kind of then stumbled on was that I'd always, I was, sorry, in, in this scenario, the application is being deployed to a Raspberry Pi and Raspberry Pis run on the ARM architecture. But my Linux PC, my Mac here, and the other machines that I have use x86. What? So because of not having this scenario previously or use case, I'd never had to stop to consider that you have to um, keep in mind, in, in this case, a multi-platform build process, that being that, or, or said another way, the machine by default that you build an image on, it's built for 
that architecture, that CPU architecture. It's not kind of the whole Java thing, right? Build once, run anywhere. If you build it for a certain architecture, it can only run on that architecture. So if you want to build it, but deploy on multiple architectures, you have to build for multiple platforms. So that then led me to, to learn about the, the build X and build kit, which I think through runs a VM in the background and through that um, is able to emulate the instruction set such that it can build the image for a particular CPU architecture. And so then I updated the article and wrote this kind of long-winding thing to, this is how you do it, this is how you check that you've got multi-CPU support or the one that you're after, etc., etc., etc. And then I kind of thought, well, wait a second. If I've got two Raspberry Pis and I want to deploy to them, why wouldn't I just build on one using Docker build? Because I kind of assumed, you know, if you can use, if you can set a, um, a Docker context appropriately to say, I want my, this Docker client to reference that Docker daemon over there, well, should Docker build, should it not kind of respect that and build on that daemon as well? Well, yes, no, and there's a, there are a few caveats, but I then thought, okay, well, let's just test this out. But the first thought that came to my mind was, wait a second, how do the files get to the remote daemon? Again, a slight limitation or lack of confidence in, in my Docker knowledge to that point, which gladly through this learning experience was fleshed out. So what I found or relearned was since Docker engine 18.09, I believe it's specifically that, I'll double check that and put the link in the, or the details in the show notes. What you can do or what Docker build will do is it will, um, once you've set a context to a remote Docker daemon and you run Docker build, it will send the context to the remote daemon and run the build command there. Um, I think before that you either couldn't do it or there was a weird hack or something. So gladly, that then meant I could strip out all this stuff about multi-architecture builds and stuff, allowing you know, allowing for the fact that this would only be built and deployed to one particular architecture. Um, if you're still deploying to multiple architectures, the point still applies. And but I didn't want the article to get too complicated. Um, and yeah, it became kind of really fascinating. I don't really know why it was fascinating exactly, but just that. I guess I could do it, uh, that all I had to do to build on a different machine was just set the context, you know, whether you setting the docker underscore host environment variable, using the capital H or host option when running docker build, or using a docker context. I think I've actually lost a little bit of what I was talking about this for, but I will continue and, and not digress there. Um, so I've, I kind of feel fascinated that you can just do it, that it just works. You kind of think that you, you just could and you should. Um, but as I said, prior to Docker Engine 18.09, you couldn't. So yeah, I, I'm, I'm loving that you can just, 
you basically just build images like irrespective of of kind of where the the, the Docker daemon is. You just tell it which one you want, and it will build it there. Now I am kind of losing my point, and so I'll I'll circle back at that point to say that Docker build. I'm really thinking it's cool. Have I plumbed the ins and outs of it? No, but I really like um, how it goes. Be like how using um, a context on a remote Docker daemon uh, allows it to kind of allows you to build anywhere without having to set up any kind of rsync, SCP, um, directory shares, and so forth. You, you can just use the command, and you don't have to think about you know, duplicating, copying, syncing files. Oh, I've changed something, got to sync the files again. Right? It's it's just really cool. Now there could be a lot more in one of the, the Docker commands that I just haven't seen yet. Because there are so many I haven't learned, such as Docker checkpoint. Uh, I think I don't I haven't learned much about Docker config. And there's like Docker create events and so forth. Wow, scrolling through this list here in the Docker docs, there is so much more. But I'm guessing over the course of time, uh, that'll, you know, that'll come good. Ah, there was one thing I think I wanted to cover. Ah, here it is. I just want to read this out because I, I hit upon this error when I was um, first experimenting with Docker build. And it says, it's a note in the docs and I'll link to that as well. It says, Docker build returns a no such file or directory error if the file or directory does not exist in the uploaded context. Now this may happen if there is no context or if you specify a file that is elsewhere on the host system. The context is limited to the current directory and its children for security reasons and to ensure repeatable builds on remote Docker hosts. This is also the reason why, <laughs> glad I mentioned this, add it gives the example here, add, and then references the parent directory and some file does not work. So definitely check out that note. Bear that in mind. It's not like you can do everything. There are limits on it, but what it does do if you do it right is fantastic. Now, anyway, I'll wrap around and say that this is the end of this episode. I would love it, love it, love it, love it, love it, love it. If you haven't already, if Docker is your thing, if you would check out, at least have a look at dockeressentials.com and see if the book that I have just published today is the one for you, if it's worth having. And hey, it's free. So like there's nothing, you've got nothing to lose except a bit of time and maybe a few cents on the power you'd be paying for your internet connection. <laughs> to sign up to give me to give me your email address in return for the book um yeah seriously nothing to lose check it out i'd love to know what you think and i'll see you next time so thanks for listening to another episode of the podcast it has been my absolute pleasure having you as my guest be sure to check out the show notes for this episode which you can find at podcast.webdevwithmat.com for links to all the things that I talked about during the episode. And until next time, my friend, keep learning, keep experimenting, and keep on building. It might seem like there's a lot to learn, but with a little bit of work on a regular basis, 
I reckon you'll grow your skills immeasurably in no time at all. And if it helps, remember the old saying, from little things, big things grow. Until next time, stay well.